श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय कौर भक्त वृंद की जाय श्री गोवर्धन पूज की जाय कौर प्रेम आनंदे बोलो गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीवन नाइस टू बी हियर विद यू ऑन दिस ऑस्पिशियस ओकेजन द ओकेजन इज गोवर्धन पूजा अनुकुत एंड आई विल स्पीक अ लिटिल बिट दिस मॉर्निंग with regard to that briefly in connection with the, the gathering that is specifically concerned with uh, blessing students to chant the holy name and the imparting of the diksha mantra <coughs> nam and mantra and I think that to begin with it's uh important to note that the the, the discussion will be uh followed by the blessing and the imparting of the mantra and other uh attendant uh aspects of the uh, procedures as they are um described in Hari Bhakti Vilas and that will be followed by the yagya which is also uh will be performed as it is has been described in hari bhakti vilas so hari bhakti vilas is uh, a book uh, compiled by sanatan goswami and gopal bhatta goswami these are two of what we sometimes refer to as the shastra gurus of gaudiya sampradaya in other words they wrote books and in writing books they drew from the shastra of the time the, the the sacred text the revelation and so forth and from those texts and the way in which they understood them they formed a body of literature that has become shastra for their sect which is our sect the gaudiya sampradaya so they are the shastra gurus uh, sometimes we refer to their books the books of Jiva Rupa Goswami Gopal Bhatt and so forth books like Hari Bhakti Vilas Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu as um Bhakti Shastras for that matter um so this is uh an instance in which we find that the the idea of revelation is a growing and ongoing affair and that the insight drawn from revelation by the sadhus is the most significant um uh more significant i should say than merely the recitation of the texts themselves therefore uh jiva goswami was keen to cite from purushottam tantra the idea in his sarva sambhadini that uh the pramanam uttamam shastra yukte the uh, the ultimate pramanam or evidence we have evidence or ways of knowing how we know what we know epistemology of gaudiya vaishnavism where we refer primarily to the to revelation it's uh, how we know about things that couldn't be known about otherwise hmm? and, uh, and that refers to then comprehensive knowing and um while the shastra is the 
primary evidence, the insight with regard to the Shastra, hmm, what it means to the, to the seer, to the realizer, to the feeler, and so forth. This becomes then a more profound, if you will, or comprehensive form of evidence or means of knowing comprehensively than the text unto itself. So, uh, rightfully so, they are sometimes referred to as our Shastra Gurus in their books, the Bhakti Shastras. So, Hari Bhakti Vilas, uh, uh, this uh, particular uh, ceremony is enjoined there, and it is uh, where we'll find all of the different uh, rituals uh, for the Gaudiya Sampradaya. It is the Gaudiya Smriti, if you will. And uh, it uh, being focused as it is entirely on bhakti and shuddha bhakti, unalloyed, uh, pure bhakti, it, uh, what is enjoined there transcends the more prominent idea of dharma. This, in the language of the Bhagavatam, is the parodharma. Sabaipumsam parodharma yuto bhakti the sages of Naimisharanya had gathered for a long time to hear about swarga, how to attain swarga, how to attain heaven. But when Sudha Goswami appeared on the scene, by the power of his presence and his own personal absorption, in Krishna Bhakti, their own interest, the audience's interest, was elevated to a new level that made it suitable for another speaking of the Bhagavatam. And this verse came from Sutta Goswami's Lotus Mouth. They wanted to know, well, what is the real idea of Dharma? Hmm? What is the, the fullest idea of Dharma? Of course, this is the subject of Bhagavatam. Parikshit wanted to know that. Sukadev spoke it. Sutta Goswami was in the assembly at the time. He's reiterating that um, to the sages. And his famous verse comes. This is one of the verses, another verse from Gopal Tapani, another from the Nard Pancharatra that Rupa Goswami, these three, drew his own definition of Shuddha Bhakti uh, that he has given in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that really kind of forms the, the basis of the whole book. What does he say there? He says, Anukulena Krishnanu Shilanam Bhakti Ruttama. How does it start? Anyway, Anukulena Krishnanu Shilanam Bhakti Ruttama and Gyan Karmadi Anabritam. Anyabilashita sunyam. So he describes the marginal and the principal uh, characteristics of Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? And uh, then on the basis of that, he gives us an opening to dive into the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. So, <clears throat> so the point I'm making here is that the, the gathering that we are all participating in and the rituals and so forth, these are all uh, strictly Vaishnav 
rituals that have uh, something to do, uh, ha, uh, are only concerned with Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Uh, and pr- uh, what, what, what we might term with the Bhagavatam terms parodharma. Um, we emphasize that because there is another idea of dharma. Obviously, as I said, the sages were interested in another idea of dharma. They were interested in dharma for svarga, pravritti marg, dharma for acquisition, hmm? for improving one's material situation and so forth. This is a different kind of dharma here. Indeed, to, to explain by contrast the Bhagavatam, Sutta Goswami, to explain by contrast what he means when he says, Savai pum saparo dharma yato bhakti He said, the, the highest dharma, the parodharma for all human beings is bhakti rahoksaja, to do bhakti to Krishna. Hmm? And that bhakti is, uh, it is independent, without any cause, hmm? And it is uh, it cannot be uh, um, ever be covered or interrupted by anything, and so that is the kind of on its face direct definition he's given. We could uh, explain that to some extent, but the point I want to make is in the following verse he gives the contrast to that to help us get some idea of what this bhakti that the Bhagavat is about, that our sampradaya is about, is not. Sunustita pumsam vishvaksena dharma sunustita pumsam vishvaksena katasuyat not podayad yadiratim sarama evi kevalam. He says there's another idea of dharma, and that's the prominent idea of dharma. The dharma, uh, the, the idea of the dharma mark for uh, being religious, I want to say, for the sake of acquisition, a good life, uh, go to heaven, good karma. Um, this is the dominant idea of religion. Uh, of course, we're speaking in a classical sense in the time of the Bhagavatam and so forth, but it applies today. There is a religious orientation and there is a spiritual experiential orientation to uh, really almost any um, religious tradition. We are interested in the spiritual and experiential orientation. This is... Uh, uh, the idea of bhakti. And so, it's not, he says, this dharma, this parodharma, it is not dharma sunustitapumsam vishvaksena katasyat natpodayat yadiratim sram evi kevalam. He says, there's another kind of dharma and that dharma is srama eva hi kevalam. That is a waste of time. Hmm? Uh, he's referring to varnashram dharma. So, Bhagavatam at the very onset makes it very clear Varnashram Dharma is a waste of time. We are not concerned with Varnashram Dharma. Hmm? We are concerned with Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Varnashram Dharma, this verse says, it cannot give Vishvaksena Katasu. It cannot give a taste for hearing about Krishna, for Harikata. No matter how well you perform Varnashram, it will not be the cause of a taste for um, for Harinam. Without that, Bhagavatam says, your life is wasted. We heard in the previous verse, Ahituki, Bhakti is independent. So that means she causes herself. She brings about herself in someone. 
It's not that by good karma we'll get we'll, we'll do enough good deeds that we'll get bhakti. I think the Bible says something similar to that. Uh, not by good works alone or something like that. Hmm? So the same idea is there in the Bhagavad. It's just developed a little bit more uh, in, in, in depth. Hmm? So we are not doing a a a, a giving the uh, we're not making brahmins here. Hmm? But we're giving the Vaishnav Diksha, of course. The idea here is that Vaishnavism transcends the uh, Varnashram Dharma. So whatever might be included within the performance of Varnashram Dharma and more is included within the, um, the conducting of oneself under the, uh, within the parameters of what constitutes Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? We should not have any fear that if I don't do something in Varnashram, of course we don't know that much about Varnashram, <laughs> but, but in the past and times, this was, the, this was the religion of the day, of course, in India. And so if you didn't do the religion, then you might, there would be a problem. And here comes the, this revolutionary idea, forget it. It's a waste of time. Hmm? So there's some hesitation. My whole life I've been taught and I've read the scriptures like this. If I don't do this, if I don't perform this yogi and look this way and turn that way at the right time and say the right thing and so forth, there are 1,008 rules, then there's going to be a problem. There's a fear something's going to happen bad to me and the prospect of what, I might, what good might happen to me will not uh, come about. So if I forego that and I do bhakti, there's some hesitation. You can see too much attachment to karma mark is a problem for bhakti. Hmm? And so this is, a, it, 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 this is in the context which the Gita is spoken, which the Bhagavatam is spoken, this is a very revolutionary idea. Hmm? Krishna concludes the Gita with the same thing. What does he say? Sarvadharman puritdhaja. Hmm? He said, forget the Varnashram, Re- I reject it. You should reject it entirely. Of course, someone might say, well, wait a minute, it's Krishna who founded the Varnashram. He said it himself earlier on in the fourth chapter. Hmm? What did he say there? Chatur Varnyam Mayashishtam Guna Karma Vibhagasa. Tasyakataram Apimam Vidhi Akataram Avyayam. We have to look carefully at that. Hmm? What does he say there? He says, yeah, this Varnashram is formed by me. He says, Chatur Varnyam Mayashishtam. Shrishni means creation. So it's, it's my creation, the Varnashram, consisting of the four Varnas and Chaturvarnyam, Mayashrishtam, four Varnas, and corresponding ashrams is implied. Chaturvarnyam Mayashrishtam, it's my creation. Chaturvarnyam Mayashrishtam, Guna Karma Mi Bhagasa, it's a consideration of what? What's it about? Guna and Karma. It's about the modes of nature. And Krishna says, although I am the father of that, so to speak, I have nothing to do with it. I am not involved with the modes of nature. I'm not interested in it. I have nothing to do I have nothing to do with it. So if you look carefully, you say, well, if you want Krishna, this isn't the way to find him. It's there. It's a system. It has some 
relative value, but from the perspective that Krishna is speaking, from the perspective of the Bhagavatam, from the perspective in consideration of what has been offered to us by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? this has no, no value. You can be uh, a, a perfectly execute the Varnashram and you will, you will, <laughs> you will be nowhere is the, is, is, the, is the message. Now, of course, it is a fact that Prabhupada spoke about Varnashram. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur spoke about Varnashram. Um, Thakur Bhakti Vinod talked about Varnashram, but they talked about what they called Daiva Varnashram. And Daiva Varnashram was an idea, if you will, of Bhakti Vinod that he passed to Bhakti Siddhanta and suggested you try to give some shape to this. Hmm? And Prabhupada, um, my Gurmish took that and, and also tried to give some shape to think about it and so forth. It's an ongoing thing to think about. The essence of it is this, that while the Bhakti Mark transcends Varnashram, hmm, it doesn't mean that those who are about to tread the Bhakti Marg, given the requisite faith that they have today and, uh, and, and, and good guidance and blessing, that they become Paramhamsas later on today or tomorrow. could take a while, but this is the Paramhamsa Marg. This is the path of the Paramhamsas. This is the highest idea, highest path. You may not be far along on it, but your position in life will be evaluated largely by your association. So by association to, by embracing, by um, having as one's ideal this, this path, the ideal of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, well, you will become that. So we'll look at you in terms of what you will, what you will become as a result of your aspiration, not what you are uh, presently, as a result of your conditioning. We'll, we're reminded of that often enough uh, without, without trying. So uh, the idea is rather to emphasize what we will be, what we are in potential, given, given, given the association and so forth. Uh, Sadhu Sangha, the birth, uh, kind of the birthplace uh, of, of bhakti, if you will. So the idea is then that we may we are still under the influence of the modes of nature, and so that will be taken into consideration in 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 the idea of bhakti Vinod Thakur for the sake of creating a a uh, meaningful engagement in in bhakti for a larger number of people, uh, engagement in bhakti beyond. Uh, for example, Surup Siddha Bhakti, hearing and chanting, Navalakshan Bhakti, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaram, things that are the, these angas of bhakti that are inherently bhakti, that by doing them knowingly or unknowingly, there's a benefit. We'll extend it to uh, Sangha Siddha Bhakti, Arup Siddha Bhakti, uh, by, in, by doing things that would not ordinarily be bhakti, but in such a way that they become bhakti by association or by designation. Growing flowers is not bhakti, but it could be, hmm? if you grow them with the right spirit in mind and give them to the, offer them to the right person. Hmm? Chanting is bhakti, whether you know it or not. Hmm? That's, a, that's so that that's some idea of the difference. So, an extended idea of this, and and these ideas, of course, are given in in, in bhakti sandarbha. These these these. Uh, different uh, types of bhakti, if you will, um, 
all in the context of Shuddha Bhakti, nonetheless. But the extended idea of Bhakti Vinodhaka was to try to form a mission that would uh, kind of parallel the Christian missionaries who came, you know, to India and at the time were canvassing the Hindus and 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 so forth, and give the good tidings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and engage people in a wide variety of ways, um, such that they would uh, progress in bhakti, taking into consideration that is their psycho-physiological uh, makeup, which is the guna and karma. So, hmm? a mission was started by Bhakti Siddhanta. He tried to tuck a couple of different ideas of, of Daiva Varna Ashram. Prabhupada talked about it to some extent. Here we are, you know, some quite some time later, and um, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a need for most people to balance their to, to get come into balance <laughs> let us say right we <laughs> we live in an industrial society that is very different from an agrarian based society very complicated and um and um and a lot of people are uh well psychologically uh, kind of dysfunctional i like to speak of it like Standing on one leg and trying to jump up and touch the stars is not a good idea. We should try to put two feet down, get a firm foundation, and then stand up. So, yeah, the in my school, then, the uh, if you will, uh, the the idea of Daivavarnashram is to take into consideration the psycho psychophysiological makeup of a person, and uh, and try to help them um, come into balance with regard to that, so that they can be. Um, in a better position to take advantage of uh, uh, what's being offered to them and so forth. Bhakti is independent of that. You can become Krishna conscious in any situation, but um, but uh, in consideration of the idea of Varnashram, Daiva Varnashram, we give some uh, consideration to this and we see that it helps uh, the devotees, as I say, to have some kind of horizontal development to support their attempt for vertical uh, growth, spiritual direct, spiritual growth. So, that's the limit of our uh, idea of Varnashram. And of course, Varnashram doesn't mean just living in the country and growing your own food. Um, and protecting cows, for that matter, is an anga of Shuddha Bhakti. We don't have to go to Varnashram for that. That is... Uh, uh, along with uh, worshipping the sacred trees and so forth, Jiva Goswami's calendar. This includes scratching the necks of cows and circumambulating them and um, taking good care of them. Hmm? Um, and, of course, uh, overall, an agrarian, more agrarian-based lifestyle and so forth is, 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 is conducive to uh, our spiritual culture, more so, I think, than an industrial-based uh, um, fast-paced uh, society and so forth. So we gravitate towards that, but we, we don't, I just want to be clear on it, we don't call that Varnashram necessarily. Hmm? So, why I bring all this up is because Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, in his emphasis on Daiva Varnashram, in trying to take that idea from Bhakti Vinod Thakur and give it some shape, he mixed together, in a sense, the two the Varnashram and the Shuddha Bhakti. He did a some kind of a kind of a 
yagya in a sense, uh, where he 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 brought in the Varn ashram and, and and kind of mixed it with Vishuddha Bhakti. For example, he gave the Brahmin threads out to uh, the male uh, devotees who, when they got the mantra diksha. This has nothing to do with Vaishnavism. Hmm? This has everything to do with Varnashram. Hmm? The time was such that Gaudiya Vaishnavas in Bengal were not new members, were not readily coming from the educated, pious sections of society. They were coming more readily from the uh, sections of society that had no good education and, and, and very little of any piety. And they would say, because their Hindu kind of position in the socio-religious system was like nowhere, they would say, well, I'm a follower of Chaitanya. So now I'm beyond caste. And, uh, and think they had gone somewhere and they did nothing more than largely give a bad name to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Gaudiya Vaishnavism transcends the Varnashram. Therefore, it used to be the custom, even up to the time of Bhakti Vinod, that those who had the sacred thread that they got in their youth as part of an ordinary uh, well, Varnashram, Sangskara, Upanaya, Upan, Upan, Upanaya, no? hmm? uh, uh, they would take off the thread when they got the Vaishnav mantra, by way of, as if to say, now we've left the Dharma mark, we're, on, we're treading the Bhakti mark. And, the, and, the, and implicitly they say, or explicitly they say, by doing that, that Bhakti, as I'm explaining, transcends Varnashram. Hmm? Now, the disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, or Bhakti Vinod Thakur, did the exact opposite. He put the Brahman thread on the disciples. So, some people might think he's certainly not a follower of Bhakti Vinod, but he wanted to accomplish the same thing. He wanted to teach the public that Bhakti, the Bhakti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in particular, transcended Varnashram. That whatever is included in Varnashram and far more is included in, in Bhakti. People thought, for example, if you didn't have one of those threads, well, then you couldn't be worshipping the deity. Because according to Varnashram, it's the duty, the occupation of the Brahmins to do the religious uh, activities, give the blessings, and so on and so forth. Of course, to worship the deity is Archan, one of the limbs of Shuddha Bhakti. So if one has um, uh, awakened faith in Bhakti, he, has, he or she has Adhikari to worship the deity. Hmm? Simple. But the common people weren't aware of these things. Gaudiya Sampradaya was, uh, was um, somewhat um, covered over hmm, in the public side. It wasn't something, for example, that the great Bhakti Vinod Thakur was very interested in in his, in his ardent pursuit of uh, religious and spiritual life. Hmm? It was only when he got a look at the Bhagavatam through the Chaitanya Charitamrita that he had a transformation and thought this is a, the Bhagavad is, a, is the essence of, uh, of, of a religious life, of spiritual life. He, he thought ill about the Bhagavad previous to that. So, uh, 
and he was in the Bhadralok. He was in this like think tank of contemporary pious uh, Hindus who were dealing with uh, the modernity in the Western world and so forth and how to think about their tradition in relation to that and, and, and so on. So Gaudi Vaishnav was a, wasn't in the mix. And when he became a Gaudi Vaishnav, all the other pious uh, people in the different sects that had been formed and so forth, they were like shocked. He became one of those people? Bhakti Vinod? Hmm? Of course, what those people really were about, Bhakti Vinod came to personify in a big way and um, make this all available to us. Prabhupada used to say, "My movement, is, uh, our movement is, is the movement of Bhakti Vinod. The conception, as Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj liked to say, came in him. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur gave it some shape and Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world, spreading nectar as if it was water. Hmm? So, uh, so when Bhaktivedanta Sarasri Thakur gave the thread to one of his initiates, the common people would say, oh, it's okay, you know, he, he's got a thread, so he's, he's, he's worshipping the deity, no problem, something like that. And the new initiates who were a little intimidated by the religious atmosphere and propaganda, climate of the times, they also felt, well, I got the thread, okay. They felt a little better about it. They felt they, it was to foster kind of their budding faith in bhakti. There's a chance that this bhakti could be covered by karma. That means to say one engages in bhakti, but one doesn't think that just by doing that, my bases are covered in terms of karma. Maybe I have to, I should, my father died. I've got to go and perform the Shraddha ceremony so that he goes to the Pritri Loka. If I don't do that, I'm not a good son and I'm going to go to hell and it's going to, he's going to go. And the teaching is, well, you're doing bhakti. Your father and his son and grandsons and for so many generations. It's why these kind of emphasis are given. For a hundred generations, you do bhakti. They'll all be delivered. You don't have to worry about that ceremony or this ceremony or that, or that ritual or this rite. Uh, Everything's covered. Sarva Dharman Mamikam Sharanam Braja. So we come of course to our times and um that thread doesn't mean so much in the Western world here, does it? It's a little confusing if you go swimming and people go, What's that? Hmm? And you don't even know yourself. <laughs> and half of Prabhupada's disciples have taken it off because they think I'm not really a Brahmin anyway and uh so there's a little confusion about this. It's good to talk about it, put it in uh, perspective, and um, and being relative in an in 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 adjustment according to the time and circumstance as it was, uh, we're free to give or not to give the, the thread. And of course, these days, the ladies, some of them complain, why don't I get a thread? And so in our egalitarian society, which might be better described as Kalo Sudra Sambhava in Kali Yuga, Everyone is a sudra. <laughs> so, so chant Harinam. And all of this, of course, is, is relative to the day on which we're gathered here, Govardhan Puja. Govardhan Puja is all about the things that I'm talking about. Of course, you all know that. So I'll only go into that in, in, in brief. Hmm? Govardhan Puja is the establishing, by Krishna personally, this point in the context of his Leela, from which, of course, we are to learn so many things, and by which, having learned and put into practice, we are meant to enter into that Leela. The inhabitants of Govardhan, they were worshipping Indra, the chief god of heaven, 
They wanted to please the God of heaven so that they would have material prosperity, namely uh, sufficient rains for sufficient grasses to feed the cows, which was their uh, sustenance. They were cowherds. So they had a system that had been passed down for a long time, hmm? and uh, it was uh, thought to be essential hmm, for their livelihood, for their maintenance, for their sustenance. Now, the center of uh, what, what brings us here today is, is faith, right? Shraddha. Shraddha gives us eligibility to tread the path of bhakti. And shraddha means this. Sarva dharman paritya jamam ekam sharanam brajat. Shraddha means sharanagati. Shraddha, faith is not just, uh, it's a tangible thing. It means, it, 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 it's just like philosophy in India is called a darshan. It means a way of seeing. And when you see in that way, the implication is you act in that way. India was not um, a place of endless uh, philosophical conjecture and speculation, often that did not correspond in any way in which people lived their practical lives. Hmm? Philosophy was largely tied to revelation which could better perhaps be called theology, and it was a darshan. It was it, it, it was a it was a it was how you saw, and therefore how you um, also acted and conducted yourself. Today we have, for centuries in the West, uh, philosophy unhinged from revelation, and it becomes uh, endless uh, thought, uh, kind of mental uh, masturbation, and um, that not, there's nothing's born from that. <laughs> Nothing, nothing, uh, uh, it, it ends up, uh, the well ends up uh, dry. And, uh, and it gets, the, the thinking gets so distanced from the acting hmm, that we can philosophize, for example, as I was saying the other day in, in, in philosophy of mind, uh, that there is no self, even though every day we conduct ourselves as if there's a self and it's important and there are values, and there are there's meaning, and so forth. And we philosophize often in science of mind. Others do that. There is no meaning. There is no thing called a self. Consciousness is 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 matter, and and so on. I mean, this is this is to think in a way and philosophize in a way that is totally, absolutely divorced from how you practically conduct yourself. Nothing could be more uh, illogical. Hmm? So, and. In, a, in times gone by, that wasn't the idea of philosophy and, and theology and so on. So, um, so the um, uh, we should have a philosophy that that sustains us. Hmm? That is our like way of life. The inhabitants of Vrindavan they had the idea that they would be sustained by worshiping Indra. They would get grass. It was very practical. It seems almost, um, and they and they moved from Mahavan to Vrindavan, where they could be close to Govardhan because it had such good grasses and uh, prospects for their animals. They ended up, of course, worshiping the Govardhan hill. It appears like a kind of animism, where you deify a certain prominent aspect of nature relative to your local sustenance and make superstitions about it and have uh, and that's your religion and so forth 
I would say that, of course, it's a very deep theological idea, the whole Govardhan, uh, Leela, and, and, and so on. But animism is a, is a, is, is a form of religion, and it has value. I mean, it's spoken about in the Bhagavad Gita, for example, in the 10th chapter, where Krishna says, amongst, uh, you know, uh, mountain, immovable things, I am the Himalayas. Amongst bodies of water, I am the ocean. Um, you go to the to the ocean, you, you, you to the shore, and you get an epiphany sometimes, like, wow, I'm small. Gosh, it's vast out there. What could be known? How could it all be known? It's beyond me. You see the, the tallest mountain peak, and you, you climb to the top, and some people think this is the sum and substance of what people call religious experience, mystical experience. Atheistic people tend to think, yeah, I've had that too. You know, I've gone to the forest and, I, you know, I had that ooh, ah, aha moment and so forth. And you call it oh moment and I call it aha. And and uh, and it's it is it is meaningful. I mean, it, it is it, it, it is deep uh, and so forth. But. That is not the be-all and end-all of religious experience. That's not a systematic approach to honing what you might get a glimpse of at the beach or on the mountain peak hmm? or during the autumn in Asheville, you know, with all the colors and it's just, uh, that kind of a thing. That, that, that is, a, it is a, a, a kind of a religious experience. It is a prominent manifestation of nature that 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 kind of just stops your mind for a moment and makes you think there's something greater than me. Wow, hmm? and it's a little bit humbling. And, and so it, it, Krishna speaks about it to Arjuna. He says, "You know, if you see me in this way in the world, I am among bodies of water. I'm the ocean. I'm among immovable things. I am the Himalayas. You know, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so it has its place." Hmm? But if you can hone that experience, really, if you could take, if you could take any aspect of nature, if you could take this flower right here, you take this one flower, and you worship the flower, you can become completely Krishna conscious. If you think this is the energy of Krishna, a little sambandhyan helps. This is the energy of Krishna. He's so incredible that he put this beautiful flower that has so many shades of color, I'm fascinated by that, into a little sea, and it, it all worked like this, and you just become absorbed in that thought and worship, you can become completely Krishna conscious by worshiping any tiny, the tiniest aspect of nature. Hmm? We tend to bring in the deity, hmm? make a more kind of profound statement and a more systematic approach to honing that experience and so on and so forth, but... Um, the point is here that this animism is a form of, uh, of, of God consciousness, of religious experience. Uh, we do get our sustenance from beyond ourselves. Hmm? We are dependent entities. The inhabitants of Vrindavan were thinking in the context of Leela, our existence is dependent upon Govardhan. Hmm? And why? Because it has... So many wonderful things that uh, that that particularly the grasses that feed our cows, but grasses are dependent upon rain, and they say that this guy Indra gives the rain, so we'll try to satisfy him. We'll make some sacrifice 
for him. Hmm. So it's very deep. On one side, it looks like a very primitive idea, animis, animism. If you look a little further, it might look like Varnashram, hmm? or a, a, a more systematic way for making, uh, making sure I get food on the table, a negotiation with God. We'll make a sacrifice for you. You provide for us for the rest of the year. We'll feed you one day. The rest of the year, you feed us. Uh, you know, don't get too close. Uh, kind of a theistic idea. And, uh, but if we go deeper into the Govardhan Lila, what do we find, of course? We find that, that, that they're, they're, they're completely attached to Swami Bhagwan, in love with him. They don't even know that he's God. They're helping him lift the hill themselves. The point of this Lila, that, relative to our discussion, of course, is that Krishna had enough of this. I mean, he had enough of it. Because when he was younger, during the same time, Kartik Mas, the month of Kartik, as you know, he had a traumatic experience. Um, when his mother was breastfeeding him in the house and all of the assistants and practically all the people of the Braj were involved in arranging for the Indriyagya. And so she was short-handed, and she was boiling milk on the stove that had been gathered from special cows on special grasses because Krishna was found to be stealing out into the homes of others and eating the milk sweets there. So Yashodamayi thought, well, Nanda, what kind of milkman are you? You don't have sweet enough milk. You know, the, Krishna's going to other people's houses. So he selected the best cows from the herd, made special grasses for them. Hmm? And that milk was boiling on the stove, and she, he, she was nourishing him to her breast. And there was no maid servant, nobody else in Vatsalya Rasa who was following the the, the paradigmatic figure, the embodiment of Vatsalya, Yashodamayi, hmm? no, no sadhana siddha there to pass Krishna to, to have the direct experience of mothering Krishna hmm? by her grace. So she set him down. <laughs> she set him down on the ground and she went to tend to the milk and he cried and he was traumatized. My mother took me off of her breast and set me on the ground. Hmm? Then he went, of course, and he made some mischief, and she chased after him. She ended up tying him up. Very traumatic. Uh, imagine as a young boy to be tied up and uh, by your mother. <laughs> that would make the news. Ties up boy, you know, in the yard, and we found him, you know. <laughs> in fact, when it, when it was all over, she was so embarrassed. I mean, we all came back. There was a big crash, you know. The trees went down and a huge crash. Everybody came. What happened? What happened? How embarrassed she was. I tied it, my son up. And he wouldn't go near her. Hmm? Uh, Nandamar said, well, how will you get milk? He said, you, you give me a glass. Put some sugar in it, too, because it won't be as, as sweet as if it's coming directly from her. Uh, with some encouragement from Rohini, finally he, Krishna went in and united again with his mother. But it was a very traumatic psychological experience in youth for Krishna. And as he grew up, he realized Indra was the cause of this, hmm? actually. That uh, he was intimidating, more or less, these people to think that if they didn't do this yagya, he was going to rain down uh, torrentially upon them. And what to speak of, uh, you know, not having grass, they would be drowned. Hmm? And so uh, he took... Uh, some ex exception to this Indra Yagya, this idea. 
And when it was when he when he was philosophizing with Nanda Maharaj charmingly as a young adolescent, and convinced Nanda Maharaj, well, okay, we'll just follow you, hmm? your ideas, and we'll do this new kind of yagya that you've made up, worshiping the Govardhan Hill. All right, uh, and then Indra, of course, came and. Uh, well, before he came, Krishna said, make a big festival, hmm? feed everybody. Hmm? Uh, he said, even even down to, you know, the uh, um, every every living being, make sure every living being gets something to eat. And he had, ultimately he lifted the hill and he said, before that he said, feed everybody except him. Hmm? That guy. Everybody but in. Indra was supposed to get all the food Krishna said, give it to everybody else and nothing to him. Hmm? So he enraged him and so, so, so forth and so on. And Krishna lifted the hill when the rains came and all the devotees showed themselves to be Sharanagatas, surrendered souls, the whole of Vrindavan. In other words, embraced the Sarup Lakshan of Sharanagati, which is corresponds with faith, Shraddha, which is why we're here. Hmm? Sharanagati corresponds with Shraddha, and the Sarup Lakshan, the primary characteristic of the sixfold Sharanagati, is Gopritve Varanam Tata, that Krishna is my maintainer. Hmm? I'm being sustained by Krishna. Bhakti is sustaining me. This is the main thing. Everything else is orbiting around that consciously and gradually unconsciously. The rest of our activities are to become like the Muzak that Krishna consciousness is to us now. Hmm? unfortunately, hmm? for most of us. It's like playing in the background. I should be doing that. Uh, I'm kind of doing that. Uh, you know, It has to kind of reverse itself out, and everything else I'm doing has to become like automatic, like like music. It's just kind of going on. You don't even notice it, and your whole life is being fueled by bhakti. Hmm? This, is your, this is a sadhaka's life. This will be a very satisfying life. You will be in a new position. You are not a conditioned soul. You are not a siddha. You are a sadhaka. And you have a sadhaka deha, a body of a sadhaka. This is a very uh, auspicious position to be in. And you think about it a little philosophically, and you get soulless, and you can endure anything, hmm? anything that may, be, may come your way. Hmm? See what came to the inhabitants of Vrindavan. They took shelter of Krishna. What happened? Indra threw lightning bolts and uh, torrents of rain and so forth. So after you get initiated, don't you know you don't know what might happen to you here. <laughs> All kinds of troubles could happen to you, but you have to think of them in light of what we're talking about. Think of the Govardhan Leela. Whenever you get in difficulty now, you think the inhabitants of Vrindavan did this. They had Shraddha. They took shelter of Krishna. They said, Krishna is my maintainer alone. Every other consideration I'll leave aside. And they got all kinds of trouble for it. Hmm? But Krishna protected them, ultimately. Hmm? So, this is the center, really, of the spirit of what we're, we're gathered here for. And it's very relative to uh, the Govardhan Puja. Krishna, of course, after the Govardhan Leela, Indra did appear on the scene, along with Shambhu and uh, Shiva and Brahma and others and so forth. And... Uh, and um, and Krishna honored the god's appearance, taking himself a little distance from his cowherd friends and, and cows, so it would be easier for Indra to make his confessions and apologies and so forth. And uh, ultimately, at that time, Krishna was given the name Govindra, 
Govinda or Upendra, sometimes it's referred in other, other Puranas. It means the god of Indra, the chief of the chiefs. Indra means the chief. So uh, that's one of the meanings of Govinda or Upendra, a big, a big Indra, a big chief, the chief chief. Makes Indra look like a, like a um, uh, taxi driver in, in, in comparison, something like that. So he was uh, coronated the god of gods. This is what uh, we find in, in, uh, in Govardhan Leela, and that is what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita when he says, Sarva Dharman, this is the conclusion of the Gita, right? Sarva Dharman Prityajab Mam Ekam Sharanam Brajadu Sharanagati to me. Think of me as, as your only maintainer, your, 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 your sustenance. Don't look to anywhere else. We honor everybody else, hmm? for that matter. Uh, Indra didn't honor Krishna. Krishna took exception to that. Hmm? But we don't find the inhabitants of, uh, of Vrindavan criticizing Indra either. We don't criticize the demigods. We, 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 we have high regard for them. Uh, uh, we respect even, even the ants would speak of the gods and the goddesses, but in perspective. Hmm? So, Samsambandagyan, this is important because that will give us a conceptual orientation that will help us to take advantage of the name and, and uh, the holy name and the mantra. So, um, I guess uh, with that, uh, what's next? Do I then proceed to uh, uh, give the uh, uh, Nam and uh, Pundra and um, um, what's that other one called? Yeah. Hmm? Tapa. Have, uh, or does this come Ajman. first? Okay, so we'll all do the Achman uh, following the lead of Managopal. Some installation of the... Okay. All right. Kiraj Govardhan Kijai.